Today, we recognize, along with thousands of other churches around this country and the world, Orphan Sunday. You know, the purpose of today is to make the gospel visible as we, the church, recognize God's heart for those that are orphans through adoption, foster care, and global orphan care. And and isn't that what the gospel is, where God reached down and rescued us and adopted us? If it wasn't for his unbelievable, unconditional love for us and the sacrifice that he made, we wouldn't even be here today. So it's my prayer that today might serve as a catalyst for those that are here that uh, want to move from a self-centered faith to sacrificial discipleship. You know, God lists care for the orphans among the attributes that he uses as he describes himself. Psalm 68, 5 and 6 says this, a father to the fatherless, and God sets the lonely in families. Isn't that a beautiful, beautiful picture? You know, we as the church have embraced some organizations that you'll hear about more later that you'll have an opportunity to talk to today that their sole purpose is is to care uh, for, for the orphans themselves. UNICEF tells us this, there are 153 million orphans in the world today. And that's a conservative estimate because there are many developing countries that there's no way to accurately count the millions and millions more that we don't know about. But even at the most conservative estimate, uh, those that are fatherless, the number is staggering. And it's not just an international problem. 400,000 children today in the United States do not have permanent homes. Many of those are eligible for adoption, but before they're even adopted, they age out of the foster program because no one adopts them before they get too old. So that brings us to where we are today and how we as the church, both local and globally, address the orphan problem. Now, I'm excited that today you're going to get to hear from a few of those that have been obedient to God's call uh, in dealing with this as I call them up here now, Uh, wherever they are. Come on up. Y'all come on up. All right, let me introduce everybody. Uh, To my left here, your right, is uh, Ray and Amanda. Ray and Amanda uh, have uh, four children. Eli's the oldest. They have Stuart and Silas, and the youngest is Hudson. Next to them is Ben and Katie. Uh, Ben and Katie have three. Their oldest is Riley, and then they have Sophia, and their youngest is Kelly. And then this is Kristen. Kristen's married to Chaz. Chaz, where are you out here? Wave at them. Chaz and uh, Kristen have one. Her name is Ann Chesney. But... uh, we're going, to, we're going to talk about three different perspectives that these, uh, that these individuals have regarding orphan care. I'm going to start with Ray and Amanda. And uh, y'all tell me a little bit about what God, how did God lead you to, to, to adopt? Um, for us, it was kind of a, uh, an interesting time in our lives. We had been battling with infertility and uh, had gotten pregnant and ended up having a miscarriage and losing that that child and just kind of through the grieving process of that uh, in the middle of the night one night uh, he woke Amanda up and just kind of impressed it upon her heart so she spent time uh, researching and looking at a lot of these verses and the places in the Bible where it talks about caring uh, for 
orphans and for widows and, and for the fact that, you know, we as orphans were adopted by God into his family. And uh, about the, I guess it was in uh, late February, we, uh, there was a, an adoption information uh, seminar or group meeting here in the area. And so we went to that and uh, we both left there just kind of feeling like we were being called to adopt, but you know, we were still, you know, relatively young and we didn't have any, you know, biological children. And so we thought that was something that was going to be a in the future thing for us. So now the church, we haven't heard Ray and Amanda's story yet. So Amanda, why don't you kind of continue that story so we can hear it? Well, like he said, we thought it was going to be a in the future thing and it wasn't an in the future thing. Um, about a week after we went to this adoption seminar thing, um, we let our small group know just to pray for us because where we were looking to adopt was China, and you have to be 30 to adopt in China, and we were 25. So I was like, I'm not going to wait five, five years to have a child. Um, but we just asked them to pray. We didn't know what was going to happen. And a week later, we get a phone call um, from one of the girls in our small group. And, and the question was, do you, wanna, do you want a baby? are you interested in a baby? And I was like, uh, normally you don't get this phone call. And so um, they didn't know any details. We um, prayed about it and we got some small details. It may be a boy, you know, the baby may or may not be born yet. Um, and so for the next 24 hours, we just didn't know. We didn't know um, if it was really going to happen. Does God really work like this? And does it just fall in your lap? I guess normally you have to go through all these processes. We had done nothing. Um, and so the next morning, my friend calls and says, okay, they've chosen y'all. <laughs> and you need to call the grandmother of the birth mother was the one handling it. And she said, you need to call her. And I called Ray and I was like, um, do I call and say, um, I'm calling about the baby. Like, I'm not like <laughs> ordering a pizza or something, you know, like, <laughs> what do you say? And Ray was like, do not call and say, we want this baby. <laughs> Just say, we're going to pray about the baby. And so I called her and, and she was giving me directions to the hospital on the phone in this small town in Arkansas that I've never heard of in my life. And so I was like, okay, she's giving me directions to the hospital. Um, she was still, the mama was not due for another two months. Well, um, well, I guess it was like a month and like six weeks. Um, he was born the next weekend. And so, um, over a week's time, we had to get a nursery ready. We had to, if you've heard anything about any kind of adoption processes, you have to have a home study done that takes time, lots of time. And thankfully we found a social worker here in Jackson that worked with us and, um, she got pretty much everything done in a week and um, got our write-up done. Um, like the only thing we had to do was our house. She had to come visit our house and that was it. And we got the phone call on a Sunday and went and um, she had him and the grandmother, his great-grandmother met us in the, um, in the waiting room. It was 1030 at night and the nurses were waiting on us. And that was just, thinking back on that now, it's just surreal because I mean, she had never laid eyes on us and and um, she was giving us her great-grandchild and knew that that's what the Lord wanted. And um, he was the only one in the nursery. And um, that they opened up his little, let, let us look at him. And the, um, the nurses were so excited that we were there and put us in a room and let us hold him. And they gave us a room because he was in the nursery. He, we got to have a room so we could care for him for a little while. And... Um, 
it wasn't that smooth. Like, I'd hate to say that, I mean, like, I wish I could say that that was it, you know. We did have some bumps. His race was a, was a factor for some people. Um, he's biracial, and um, which I could care less. And a lot of people could care less. But in the South, that's a tough thing. Um, and, um, and we also didn't have a lot of details about his health. We found some stuff out about his birth mother after we got there that we didn't know before we got there. And so seeing God's hand in the protection of him in the womb of not even me, in somebody else, um, because he came out healthy. He's completely fine. He just left with that row of kids over there, and he's eight and a half, and like the spunkiest thing you'll ever find. But um, just to see God's hand in all of that, just the small things. We weren't supposed to meet the mama, and we did, and that was a good thing for me later, especially in the timing that we met her because we met her before we found out all the bad stuff because I don't think I could have gone into that with a, with a happy heart, but it was good to be able to see her and put a face to that. Um, we had to stay there for a little while and then brought him home and finalized all the stuff in Arkansas, and um, we haven't had to do... We have some contact with the family, not a ton. They know how to get in touch with us if they need to, but... Um, it was just really a miracle. And I tell people that the Lord knew I had no patience. I'm not sure I could have gone through an adoption agency and waited for two years to, for a baby because I had been waiting. We had been trying for at least two years then. And, um, and he, just, he just allowed it to happen in his timing. Sometimes God does work around systems and procedures. Have you noticed that? Um, and every, every instant is different. Let's, let's move to Ben and Katie and... You know, y'all heard about Ben and Katie a couple of years ago when we had our second Fonder Covered and we came around this couple and um, you guys helped fund even uh, uh, Sophia being here. And so you've kind of heard their story, but I kind of want to follow up a little bit and tell us a little bit about what made you specifically feel like I was leading you to a special needs child. So absolutely. Y'all still are funding us, by the way. I don't know if you saw that we won the $10,000 <laughs> eat out from Jackson for Little Lighthouse. Um, so many of y'all came out, uh, not this Saturday, but last Saturday for the 5K. So uh, you're not done yet, Gary. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but how we were led to it, you know, we were blessed to have our, our oldest daughter, Riley. Um, and just as we were sort of settling down from having our, I guess, world's rocked as first-time parents, um, we started thinking about, you know, expanding and more kids. And right at that time, uh, we were just kind of getting hit over the head, I think, by God from so many different angles, from church and just uh, reading scripture and all, this, all these different things. And even someone slow like myself could figure out that we had sort of a different strategy for the second child. And uh, Katie was definitely a little bit out in front of me on this, but I wasn't too far behind. Um, <laughs> but we just started looking at adoption. And when you start looking at adoption, uh, like what, what happened with Ray and Amanda is marvelous. Um, I wouldn't say it's typical. Uh, <laughs> And usually there is a long process that you go through. And so we started looking at different agencies and we actually went through the whole process and the home studies and the things that Amanda mentioned. And we got to the point where we were actually on the list and potentially being matched domestically. So at any moment we could get that call like she described. And uh, it just never came uh, to the point where I remember one time Katie talked to the lady at the agency and she just said, I just can't figure it out. You know, God must have something else for you. Um, and maybe it's just my picture, I don't know, uh, in the home study profile. But uh, so we started to realize that, that God really was leading us somewhere different. 
And that's when we really started looking internationally uh, and specifically special needs. Uh, because throughout the whole process, we just had this kind of conviction that what God really wanted us to do was to reach out to someone where there wasn't really a waiting list, where there wasn't somebody that was uh, lined up. You know, even for special needs kids in the United States, there's many times a waiting list. Um, for Down syndrome, which Sophia has, there's oftentimes a waiting list. Uh, and so we, we did some research and found, about, found out about Ukraine. And in Ukraine, Down syndrome is very much a stigma uh, of a disease. It's something that people... Uh, almost immediately either abort or will give up for, uh, to an orphanage. It's just not something that's socially acceptable there. Uh, and at the age of four, uh, kids in Ukraine with Down syndrome are basically taken out of youth orphanages and put in adult facilities, uh, and it does not end well. Uh, and so we, our goal became to get uh, as old a child as we could, keeping Riley as the oldest, uh, and that's how we were led to uh, Reese's Rainbow in Ukraine uh, for special needs. Uh, and once we found that, it clicked. You know, less than six months later, I think it was, we had Sophia home. Well, what about since Sophia's been here now for two years? Tell, tell us what God's done in your family through the whole experience. Um, that is a loaded question. <laughs> I'd say um, we could talk for several hours about Sophia. Um, but the thing that sticks out to me the most, I think, um, we had Riley, and I think we were lulled into parenting. She was... Um, pretty easy. I wouldn't say she's easy now. <laughs> Don't tell her, right? Um, she's, she was very easy. And we were like, we got this, you know, we'll, we'll adopt a, a two-year-old. That, that'll be just fine, right? <laughs> and so I think he, um, just by, you know, the moment that Sophia, that judge in Ukraine said, you know, Sophia is yours, you know, she was no longer an orphan. She was our kid. And we had to figure out, you know, what do we do now? Um, how do we help her, um, you know, become part of our family. What does she need? Um, because, you know, she was already um, a child of God. She was perfect. Um, we were just led. I think God gave us the strength that we needed just to, to just get her and get her home and get her what she needed. Um, and so she stretched us, I think Ben said this morning, he's matured in the last two years more than he ever has. And the same for me too. Um, we have, I think at least I know I have a moment every day and this isn't always Sevilla, some of, some of it's just, you know, three kids, but I have a moment every day where I'm like, I have to stop and immediately pray, like, I need help. He's stretching us beyond um, where we were before her, which I think we had that false sense of, you know, we got this, we can do this on our own, and, and now we know that we can't, and it's been such a beautiful thing. Um, never ever in that moment have I ever wished that I'm not having that moment, right? I'm, I'm thanking God for um, what can be seen as a struggle is such a blessing for, for us and, and how much she um, has changed us and then changed those around us. I think she, God has really used her to stretch um, some of our family members, some of our friends that just... Um, sometimes just don't understand some of the choices that we're making um, for our family. And it, it's just something new and something different. Um, like you said before, just, just that sacrifice that sometimes we're not used to doing and that we probably wouldn't have made those same choices um, without Sophia. Okay. I'm really excited about Kristen being here. Um, I got to know Kristen and Chaz about a year, year and a half, about a year ago. Um, when they became part of Gay and I's small group, and they live in the area, and uh, Chaz is in, doing his residency at UMC in psychiatry, and 
Kristen is a physician's assistant, but Kristen's uh, perspective is a little different because she was adopted as a child. So I thought it'd be really good for us to hear from her about, you know, how her life has been because of the, the sacrifice that your parents made. Um, like you said, I'm Kristen. Uh, this is probably the first time I have publicly spoken about my adoption. Um, I was an orphan and lived, I was born in Seoul, Korea, and I was an orphan. And um, one day my parents had three boys and they desired to have a daughter. Um, and so that is how I uh, came into the picture. Um, I sat in an orphanage for four months while my parents um, handpicked me out of a lineup of children. Um, God specially picked me for them um, and put me in their life and in their family. I came over um, to the U.S. I flew into Memphis and a lady brought me off a plane to meet my mother and dad on Mother's Day in May of 1985. That was my Mother's Day, my mother's Mother's Day present on that day was me. Um, and ever since then, my parents have loved me unconditionally. Um, it may not have been easy, because um, 30 years ago, international adoption was not the normal thing to do. Adoption wasn't the normal thing to do. Um, but my parents felt led to adopt, and they did. Um, and I have been blessed immensely through that and have been able to see how that has changed my parents. Um, they love me unconditionally. Um, I, when I came here, I had problems. I had laid on my back so long because no one picked me up that my head was malformed. My mother and dad took the time every night to make sure when I went to bed to rotate me from side to side to make sure that my head would form properly. Um, when I got ready to walk, um, my feet were flat, and I couldn't walk, so my feet went in. My parents took me to a specialist, and I had braces, and I was, they taught me how to walk. Um, I'm grateful for that today, because if not, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have my husband, and I wouldn't have my lovely daughter. Um, but I think of all, my parents protected me. I had a community that raised me. I have friends that when I grew up didn't know any different, and they loved me the same. Um, funny thing is, I will tell you a funny thing. When I got ready to take the ACT when I was 16, when I tell you I did not know the color of my skin, and my parents made sure that they loved me 100% and nothing different than my brothers. I didn't know which box to check on the ACT. <laughs> I never knew. I had to ask people. I didn't know what Caucasian men or what Asian American or Pacific Islander. I checked other because I didn't think I fit. Um, but, you know, that is what it means when your children will know this one day. Like your biracial child, Eli's going to know that it takes a community his friends that love him, that I, they are going to know, their friends are going to love him because he's not going to know any different and you're not going to let him know there's any difference. And that's what it takes because I've had people stand up for me in situations where I didn't know anyone would. And that is 
that's been amazing. That it, it really is true, the African proverb of takes a community to raise a child, and it does. And Sophia's gonna learn to love that because it takes more than parents. You know, um, and I think today is kind of our first step for you as their church family get to know some of these people. And, and as we kind of move into this next phase, y'all thank these for getting up here and sharing their heart, which you might know a little bit more about them. Now we're gonna move into a little time now um, of prayer. We felt like it was important as we try and establish what our direction as a church is for orphan care, that we, we begin it by praying. So I've asked my really good friend, Steve Kinsley, to come. Y'all know Steve and Teresa's story, you've heard it. They've, they've shared it up here, but they've adopted uh, when they were in South Africa, and, and Alfie is a product of that, and uh, he's probably running around here too. Um, yeah, you, yeah. So, uh, but I've asked Steve just to take some time now to lead us in prayer as a church um, through a, a couple of things here as we, as we start our journey. We're so blessed to have them here, and, uh, and y'all uh, go at his direction. Um. Hmm. Adoption can bring out a lot of emotion. And I think that's because God's emotional about it. You all, all through scripture, his heart is for the fatherless. Um, I really don't even like that term orphan because I don't think that word really exists with God because we're all his kids. Um, when we were in Africa, we did a we, we did a uh, kids camp one time, brought a team over from Texas, had this youth pastor there, and um, he was leading a group of, of boys that were about, how old were they, 10? One of the boys uh, was named Macapaletso. Don't try to say it. Macapaletso. Macapaletso was short, and he had a hump on his back. And what we discovered is his mother named him Macapaletso because it meant worthless. On Thursday that week, that little boy got to know Jesus. And that youth pastor said, we're going to change your name. What do you want your name to be? He said, I want my name to be Larato. Larato means love. And if we want to look at a picture of what God thinks about orphans, that's it. But what I want you, what I like you to do in your mind's eye is take a mirror out and look in the mirror because that's the picture of adoption. Each one of us has been adopted. Uh, those of you who sit through the Ephesians class with me, you know, we really focused on that, Ephesians chapter 1, that we have the spirit of adoption from Father God. So I want to lead us through a time of prayer this morning. First of all, if anybody's been involved in an adoption, you've been adopted, uh, you've adopted a child, um, I'd like for you to stand, and not for applause at all, but for people to gather around you and pray, because I want to tell you one thing about adoption. And these folks who've talked to you this morning, it's not easy. Integration of family is not easy. Uh, some of us have had it easier than others, but there are all kinds of challenges. And when you, if you get past the uh, romance of taking a child out of a a critical situation, you'll discover once that romance part, romantic part's over, the hard work begins. 
So if you've, if you've been adopted into a family or if you've adopted, would you please just stand, please? Okay, there's not a lot. There's a few. Those of you who are around them, if you'll just gather around them, we're going to pray for them. Because what I want to pray for is for the Lord to, to do the work. Do the work that he intended when he... Uh, and those of you who can't get around one, if you'll just stretch out your hands to him and bow with me. And let's pray for these. Lord God, as we move to these people, Lord, we know you called them into a special place, Lord. A special place of, of following your heart to, to bring a child in, God who needed a family, to bring a child in, God, who was at risk, to bring a child in who was not loved, to change their name from worthless to, to Lerato, loved by God. We thank you so much for these, God, that you've called out to this specific purpose, God. It's, it's no greater than any other plan, but it's part of your plan. And it's part of your plan to fulfill the heart that you have for the fatherless. God, it's those days when they say, what have I gotten myself into? That you remind them of your love. And you remind them of the joy they moment, the moment they saw that child. And they knew that they knew that they knew that they were theirs. That you had blessed them with life. That you had blessed them with motherhood and fatherhood. And so, God, we ask that you just pour out upon them, God, your spirit to love these children like you love them. Father, we pray for the financial challenges that are there when you bring a child in, the expense of adoption, Lord. We pray for finances for them to roll upon them, God, and relieve those burdens. Father, for these who have special needs, God, that you continue to bless them with, with the finance, God, uh, to support their children. We know, God, that that's always part of your plan. It's part of your plan for your church. And so we give you praise, God, for these guys and girls, these men, these women, these children that you've integrated into a core family, God, then there's no difference between biology and adoption. They are loved beyond measure. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. I've got some uh, friends who are going to join us up front, too, that... Um, I know that, that anytime we do this, there's a movement of God to uh, impress upon your heart, potentially to adopt. It's not for everybody. Or potentially participate in foster care. But I want to give you an opportunity to receive some prayer for that decision you're trying to make. If, you don't, if the decision is no, that's of God too. But if right now you think, if God's moving in your heart to adopt... If your God's moving in your heart to get part of the foster care system and help some of these children get out of some tough situations into loving situations, I want to invite the Hesters, Amanda, Ray. I also have uh, Rick Valor and Catherine Sochet. You'll meet them later, but they're going to be here to pray as well. If God's moving that on your heart right now, I want to invite you to come and pray with these guys. Uh, their hearts are for the orphan. Their hearts are for the fatherless, and their hearts are for you because they want to see a solution to this, to this situation. So we're going to bow and pray for that. 
And as we're praying, there's going to be some music playing behind us, and we'll take as much time. But if, if you really are feeling that nudge, that urge, that tug, and this may be the first time you've even acknowledged it publicly, we're just offering prayer. We're not offering you to commit to anything. But we want to get around you and pray for you as you make that decision. So pray with me. And then feel free just to, to walk as the music's playing. And Jesus, we know your heart's for the fatherless, God. And we know that we, as your church, are the solution to the, to the orphans, to the crisis, God. That there's an individual child that you're picturing in people's hearts right now, God. They don't even know them yet, Lord. But right now, you're, you're putting them upon their heart. And it's not just an emotional response. It's that, it's that thing in your spirit, God, that you put in us, God, that we know, we know that you're calling us to do something outside of ourselves. And so, God, I, I pray for courage for people to acknowledge that you're, that you're moving. And I pray for courage for people, Lord, to come and, and uh, let us gather around them, Father, to move in this direction. In Jesus' name. Aren't you glad you came today? The question is, what do we do in response to an hour like this? And I think the answer is obvious, and that is we've got to prepare for those children that are waiting. Today, as you leave, you'll have an opportunity to go right out these doors, and there's a room across this hall where you'll be uh, greeted by uh, three of the organizations that we partner with at Fondren Church. One is 200 Million Flowers. They, they mostly focus on domestic foster care and adoption right here in the Jackson area. Rick Valore, is their executive director, will be there to meet you. There's also Restoration Hope, which was founded by J Jason and Brandy Hester, which is uh, working with orphanages and, and children and, and uh, developing children in South Africa. And uh, Catherine Sochet here is, she's got a booth set up. You can find out more about that. Also, we partner with Metamorse Children's Home, which is uh, right across the border of Brownsville, Texas. We've taken a couple of trips there. Uh, I've got Scott McLeod's here. I think Allison Pitts is here. Maybe Lauren Brown's here. And they'll be... Uh, uh, there to talk to you about that and the opportunity maybe for you to get involved with ministry there. But also, Ray's going to be uh, at a table there, and it gives us an opportunity in a couple of weeks to come back together as a church and discuss what, what our uh, direction is going to be as a church for, for orphan care. So two weeks from today, we're going to have that meeting. So if, if God stirred something in your heart, go and see Ray and sign up for that and we'll send you information about when that meeting's gonna be so we as a church can keep focused on what God's calling us to do uh, when it comes to children around the world. Y'all stand with me. A Couple of things before we go. Uh, first of all, if you have older children, they went to children's church, you will need to go get them. Uh, they're on the second floor there, so out this door and up the stairs, and you, you'll be able to get them there. If you have uh, students in middle school or high school, we resume our student ministry tonight between 5 and 7 right here at Woodland Hills. So if you'll come, we'll have a group of guys and girls that will work with them tonight in their small group there too. Also, if you are... Uh, a single adult with older children, that might be high school, that might be college, that might be empty nest, and you are looking for an opportunity to, to be a part of community and, and fit in, we're going to uh, start 
pursuing an opportunity for that and starting next Sunday at 10 o'clock right here in the coffee area. If you'll come and gather and hear more information about that, we've got some, uh, some of those people in our church that feel led to lead in that group, and we'd love for you to participate in that. So y'all please uh, come next Sunday at 10 over the next few Sundays in the coffee area. You'll get to meet some people and you'll find out more about that. We are so thankful that you've come here. We love y'all. Y'all have a great week.